What up, folks? What it do? Welcome to another episode of the best advice ever podcast. Yeah, with your boy, my good one, the bow tie comedian. So this will be the last week, I think, that I start the podcast. Well, not say last week, but I will be back on the road. But I'll start today's podcast with the mind of Mike. The mind of Mike. I'm sure this has happened to you. It's happened to me quite a few times, whether I've been in the bank or I've been in a retail store. It just happened to me at Family, not Family Dollar, Dollar General. So many dollar stores out here. We got Dollar General. It might have been Dollar Tree. But there's Dollar General, Family Dollar, Dollar Tree, Dollar Dollar Bills. No, that's uh, the Wu-Tang Clan, I believe. But have you been in a situation where you're in line and someone hands the cashier a 50 or 100 and they hold it up to the light, Right. They hold it up to the light like, I don't believe you are a person of integrity. I like when they do the little highlighter or whatever. I think that's just more effective. Number one, I don't even know what they're looking for. Are they, what are they, when you hold the light, when you hold the money up to the light, what are you looking for? But what that did, it made me think about, well, why aren't counterfeiters doing tens and fives? Huh? I've never seen anybody hold a 10 up to the light. So if you want to pass off fake money, I'm thinking a 10 will do. A 5 will definitely do. I've never seen anybody hold an Abe Lincoln up in the air. I haven't seen that. 20s are kind of questionable. I, I, I think there's a borderline on the 20s, but I definitely believe that folks are out here counterfeiting they can get away with the tens. Definitely get away with five. I'm not advocating criminal activity. I'm not a criminal by any stretch of the imagination. I I can't lie well, steal well. I just don't have that criminal DNA. But it did occur to me that I've never seen anybody put a ten up. Under the light, I've never seen anybody pull a highlighter out with a 10. Something to think about because that's what's be going on in the mind of Mike. Now I want to share with you the most valuable podcast segment. And it's simply the best advice ever. Yeah, this is the reason I started the podcast. I want to provide folks some insight from the world that I've lived. I've lived quite an interesting life. I've had uh, the ability to, I was just thinking about this today. As a, a, a paid employee, my first, I guess, salary or, or when I was making, um, I had my first job, a full-time job. I made seven $18,000 a year. And then I think maybe I made 18. 
and they took a thousand from me. Well, it really took twelve hundred to put inside of the GI Bill, Montgomery GI Bill and College Fund. What would happen is you would get well, this was back in my day. I, I mean, I don't know what's happening now as it relates to college benefits from the military. But when I when I joined, and I kind of was at the beginning of what is known as the the college, the GI Bill and the Montgomery College Fund. I, I think, you know, there's no research. I, I haven't done any research, but I believe I'm one of the first to participate in that program. Because matter of fact, when I, when I joined, I joined in 1993, the other services did not have the joint GI Bill and Montgomery College Fund. Only the Army had it at the time. And basically... They would give you $20,000 if you serve for two years. They would give you $25,000 if you serve for three years. And they would give you $30,000 if you serve for four years. $30,000 for your, for your college education. All you would have to do was put $100 into the college fund. I guess be invested in the college fund, you pay a hundred dollars a year into the college fund. And then the money's yours. Once you attend college, one of the greatest regrets I have, not greatest regrets. One of the regrets I have is that first year they take a hundred dollars out of your pay and put it into the GI bill Montgomery college fund fund. One of the regrets I had, I wish I would have continued, uh, made a, um, I forgot what they're called. Uh, a direct deposit possibly, but I wish I would have kept taking that a hundred dollars and putting it into an account because I was used to not having that a hundred dollars. So now you give somebody an extra hundred dollars a month. Foolishness will ensue. And I think that's what happened to me financially. So that's one of my regrets. One of the regrets I wish I would have done was continue paying myself into an account that I just would have forgot about, just had that money go into another account. But that's not the best advice ever. Again, I was thinking about the money I made. I made seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000 in a year. I can make that money, like I, I literally, I can make that in a week or a day. Now, so I'm, I'm very cognizant of, of how money and and how we're able to generate money. I heard someone say at a business conference, it's easier to make $30,000 in a day than it is a year. And, I, you know, when I heard it, it was just like something was like, whoa, what? But the absolute, absolutely correct. correct. I, mean, I, I can literally... You know, I make $17,000 in a week or in a month. When I started employment, it took me a year. But that that's the, once you understand your ability to generate revenue and, and value, like if you have something that is of value to share with people and it will help people, you have the ability to uh, generate generate a significant 
amount of money. I had a shirt on before I came, before I chose this shirt, but it said, I chase dreams. I don't chase money. And so I've had a great rewiring of my brain and my mindset as it relates to money just because of how I was raised. And like I said, my first job, I made 17000 And now I'm in a position to where I've been a full-time entrepreneur for 10 years. And I see how you can uh, generate offers and, and make money by, by serving people. If you can if you can bring something to the marketplace that people really desire, I mean, I mean, I've seen, I've seen tremendous amounts of money being made, and I'm not even talking about like being on the stock market floor or being in the inside trade or any of those things. I've, I've been on a webinar. I've seen folks make a million dollars on a webinar, but being exposed to that has really kind of shifted my paradigm. But what got me thinking about that? was how I view money and I, I view my life. Um, when when I was a, a young person, the, the, the advice was to get a job to make money. Go to college, make, get a good job, start your family, get a house, those types of things. And over the course of my, my life, I've I've uh, had some things that have changed, like the way that I saw things, my perspective has changed. So let me share today's best advice ever. And I'm sorry for that tangent. I ran. <laughs> I, I was doing so well in the mind of Mike. I was like, oh, I got some more time. But the best advice ever today is create a life that you don't have to escape from. So I, when I was thinking about my first job, I was in the I was in the United States Army. I was in the military making $17,000 a year. I had the type of life that through the week it was very difficult and we quote unquote lived for the weekend. We had very, you know, I was a field artillery men. We spent a bunch of time in the field. If we were not in the field, the majority of our time was spent in the motor pool, servicing our vehicle. On a, on an average day, my day would start at six o'clock. We'd be in formation, do an hour of PT. You get back to the barracks, you take a shower, you go get some breakfast. Formations probably at eight. 8.30, you're in formation for 10 to 15 minutes, you're off to the motor pool. And you're at the motor pool from easily 9 in the morning to 12, lunchtime. And then you'll get up, break for lunch, you're back in the motor pool at 1,400. Formation most times was somewhere around 16.30, that's 4.30. 1700 five o'clock got off of work went back to the room played video games listened to loud music went to bed and did it all over again and and the weekends was where we wanted to go out and live it up get a three-day pass a three-day weekend four-day weekend oh man you about to go and live it up but somewhere along the way maybe college 
maybe it was after college, I got to a point of like, man, I want to enjoy life every day. I don't want to just wait to the weekend to enjoy life. So that kind of gives me the idea of create a life that you don't have to escape from. I'm reading a book again called Deep Work um, by, I forgot who wrote Deep Work. Let me look it up real quick. Deep Work is by Carl Newport. I should have known that. Carl Newport wrote, wrote Deep Work. And in the first, like the second page, there was something that was pretty, pretty outstanding. There was something that happened and he, he was writing about uh, a, a Swiss psychiatrist named Carl, Carl Jung, Jung, Jung. He was talking about how he would retreat to this. I believe it was an Italian island or a city. He had a tower and it said that he did not escape. He didn't retreat to this tower to escape his professional life but instead to advance it. And so the book is talking about the idea of deep work, spending segments of time, three to four hours, like focusing primarily on one task. It's the difference between deep work and shallow work. I found shallow work to be pretty interesting because people love to talk about multitasking. You know, you hear people all the time, like, oh, I, I'm a big multitask. I love to multitask. And basically what Carl Newport would call multitasking is shallow work. And the definition, I don't have, I don't have the definition in the book. I might have the book on me. I think it's at the house, but basically shallow work is work that you can complete while being distracted. Like it doesn't require intense focus. Like, like deep work, deep work is the best work. It's elite work. It's the, the premium type of work. And so this idea of an individual getting away and focusing so that they can advance their life. I think about Jesus, right? Jesus would be with his disciples and then he would like go off. He would be with everybody, but then he would go for segments of time of prayer recharging what whatever he's doing and then come back this is the idea of creating a life that you're not escaping from a, a life that you have the ability to go off and replenish recharge refuel and i just think that's a different paradigm i don't i don't know i don't know if everyone enjoys their work i, I i've been blessed to have found fulfillment in, in what I do with the majority of my day, my my nine to five, quote unquote, or, or the, the amount of effort that I put into how I generate money and support my family. I enjoy the work. I enjoy writing jokes. I enjoy performing. I enjoy helping others find their voice on stage be comfortable on stage. I enjoy looking at material and punching it up, making it stronger, improving it, working with speakers that don't feel confident in the material or in their storytelling ability. Like I, I find great pleasure from that. And so 
maybe sometimes I think I take for granted that I do have the type of life that I'm not attempting to escape it. Now I do take breaks as we all know. And I, and it, which is an interesting paradigm even for comedians when I'm talking to some of my, my contemporaries that the idea of, you know, taking a couple of months off is really unheard of. Like, how are you going to make money? It's the idea of being an entrepreneur. If you don't hunt, you don't eat. And so to be able to have abundance and, and to be strategic and have uh, more than enough that will allow you to take an opportunity to take a break, to take a sabbatical, to take a breath and to reflect upon the life that you've created for yourself. So there's a couple of things that I think about as it relates to the type of type of life that I'm talking about, creating a life that you don't have to escape from. One of the first things I think that is important for you to, if, to do this is to find your purpose. Identify your purpose. Once you have your purpose, that really does a, a a great job of being a, you, you can navigate through your life. It's a, a North star, so to speak. Once I realized that, oh man, my, my purpose is to provide comedy and, and to do keynotes. And I can now say no to opportunities that would maybe look attractive, but not be, in line with what I'm a try, what what I'm a try, trying to accomplish. For instance, let's say someone approached me and said, "Hey, would you be interested in being a director of college counselor at this new charter school that we're starting? We've heard about your time uh, serving as a college counselor. We we need someone with some experiences and some expertise, and we need someone with some entrepreneurial savvy, someone that could." help us to generate some revenue. There's ways that we can make money to fund the school. Hearing that initially, I was like, wow, man, that, that's right up my alley. That sounds, that sounds good. Well, we would love for you to come and join our staff as the, as the uh, leadership and comedian pastor. I, I don't think people have these. <laughs> positions or they or they church staff but that would be something that would catch my attention but because i know my purpose i'm like oh yeah i probably would love to work with your staff but in terms of like committing to be a member of the staff that's a i'm, I'm on I'm, I'm in purpose so identifying your purpose identifying your purpose and it, your purpose what you get paid for and your purpose may not often align and that's not a problem. There's nothing wrong with that. What what I what I'm saying is when you find your purpose, you can use what you do as your revenue, your job, to help facilitate your purpose. My wife said something most recently that was very profound. She was talking to entrepreneurs in our in our community of business owners. And she had heard a few people have conversations around kind of feeling a way about being an entrepreneur and still having a full-time job. And she basically said, you know, if, if you feel 
embarrassed or you feel like you're failing as an entrepreneur because you're still working a full-time job, you, you're not looking at it correctly. You're not seeing it with the best perspective. If you're still working and you're have a full-time job and you're an entrepreneur, you can be, your job can be your biggest investment into your entrepreneur endeavors. I've said it and I continue to say it. When I was working, I worked for eight years before I was able to transition into full-time comedy. But I would often say, I'm going to fund the dream until the dream is able to fund itself. Fund the dream until the dream is able to fund itself. So even if you're not getting paid for what you believe is your purpose, you can still use your pay to finance your purpose. The other thing you can do is find fulfillment in your work. There has to be something in what you do the most that there has there has to be some fulfillment. Now, again, you might not line up particularly what you, you feel like your purpose to do, but there's still some way that you can be fulfilled in your vocation, the line of, of work that you do. And last but not least, in terms of, of living a life that you don't have to escape from, and when I wrote it down, it was, was kind of interesting. It was like, say no and yes. <laughs> like, Mike, what? What are you talking about? So to, to create a type of life that you don't want to escape from, you have to say no and yes, right? So you say no to things that restrict you from enjoying your life, more responsibilities, things that someone else will bring to your plate. You know, I had the ability I, I wrote for, like I was, I guess, ghostwriting for uh, the Nick Cannon show. I was not on the official staff. You didn't see my name in the credits, but I was spending a significant amount of time writing, sending in content for the show. And when I was approached with the opportunity, it sounded like, oh man, of course, this could catapult me into more opportunities. And it was a great experience. And I, I, there were the parts of it. I, I really, I, I, I gained great insight and knowledge, but it wasn't something that catapulted me into this led to that. Now, again, down the road, there definitely may be a tie in, but in that moment, there was a point in time where I probably would have been better served saying no. And, and the show actually got canceled, so I didn't have to say no. But I say no to the thing that restricts you from walking in the type of life you want to have for yourself. And you say yes to new opportunities, even though you make you feel uncomfortable. So in that same example, <laughs> I probably could say yes to that. And I did. I said yes to this opportunity because I didn't feel comfortable. I was writing for this show. It was pretty fast paced. I'm a comedian. I write stand up. I don't write dialogue for a talk show, but I said yes. And it provided me with some additional skills and ability. That was a very bad example of, of yes and no. <laughs> Let's try to do a better one. But the idea is simply there may be opportunities, and I do it all the time. There may be shows that people approach me with 
that I say no to. Like, no, I'm not able to do those shows. But then I say yes to opportunities that, again, I just said yes to an opportunity where I'm going to go and speak to the football team at Oklahoma. I'm going to speak to the the Oklahoma Sooners, the college football team. That was an opportunity I might have said no to because that's just not my lane. My lane is talking to grown people, adults, like adults, adults with mortgages and life insurance. But these are, are college students. But I'm not doing stand up. I'm, I'm talking, I'm doing a leadership keynote. So I'm going to do some comedy, but I'm, I'm talking about leadership and laughter. So that may be an opportunity. That was an opportunity to say yes, where I would have typically said no. If they would have been like, hey, man, we want to bring you in to do some comedy for the football team, I would have probably been like, nah, that's not, that's not a good opportunity. That's not a good fit, right? But the leadership and laugh, the keynote component, that's a much better fit. So there's a yes. So there's some things that I may say no to doing comedy for the football team that I would say yes to doing a keynote leadership and laugh to keynote. So in that, when you're designing a life that you not that you're not trying to escape from evaluate every opportunity because because the things that you say no to open the door for you to have the ability to say yes to other things you just don't say no and i've said this probably before in the podcast when you say no someone else receives a yes that might even be in the first podcast which is say no be comfortable saying no but you also have to say yes to opportunities that make you feel a little uneasy that may put you a little bit out of your comfort zone. It may not take you out of purpose, but it definitely will stretch you and grow you. So say no and say yes. So that has been the best advice ever. Create a life that you're not trying to escape from. Create a life that when you do take a break, that break allows you to replenish yourself, recharge yourself, and to refuel yourself. All right, now for the what you're not gonna do segment. The, the what you're not gonna do segment. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast, please, please, please subscribe, share, rate it. Like, like, give me some ratings. If you're out here, you're like, man, I really enjoy this 30 minutes. It's helping me get through this stair master session treadmill cardio session it allows me to wash my dishes fold my clothes man please rate the show please say hey five stars this man is really giving us some valuable content but for the what you're not gonna do segment today is simply what you're not gonna do is beat joey chestnut in a hot dog eating contest what in the world why are we still having a hot, a hot dog contest i don't know if y'all realize this but this contest just happened recently i had the newspaper somewhere but joey chestnut ate 62 hot dogs and buns in a 10 minute time frame this is his 16th title in 17 years 
So if you sign up to go up against Joey Chestnut, what you're not going to do is expect to win. And you got to think at this point, this man has been in this contest for 17 years. He's got to be slowing down. But 62 hot dogs sounds like, I didn't go back and look at the records he set before, but 62 hot dogs is a lot of hot dogs. I, two hot dogs is a lot of hot dogs. Hot dogs and the bun. Hot dogs and the bun. Shout out to Joey Chestnut. And he's not even, a, he's not a big dude. He's a, Average size mortal. Then they had the the young lady. I think she ate thirty nine hot dogs. Hey man, what you're not gonna do is look up and see Mike Goodwin's name on a hot dog eating. And I like hot dogs. I I will. I enjoy a, 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 a Frankfurter from time to time. But sixty two? Nah, man. I probably hadn't had sixty two hot dogs in my entire life much less in a contest. But what you're not going to do is defeat Joy Chestnut in a hot dog eating contest. Well, thank you all again for checking in to the best advice ever podcast, man. Uh, this is, I'm enjoying it. This I'm having a good time. I hope you are enjoying it too. I would love for y'all to follow me on social media. I'm at all the places. I'm at uh, Instagram at Bowtie Comedy, on Twitter at Bowtie Comedy. I'm on Facebook at Comedian Mike Goodwin. And on YouTube, the same thing. I'm on TikTok at Bowtie Comedy. I'm even on Threads. I'm out here making comments on Threads that nobody is liking and replying to. So my wife told me, you got to get on Threads. She don't talk like that, but she said, you got to get on Threads. And I, really, I like technology. I don't like new apps. If it required me to download another app, I probably would be like, I'm good. Like when they dropped off Spiel, I was like, nah, I'm straight. But Thread, she was saying it's connected to it's connected to IG, and, and she was saying, well, it could possibly help increase your followers. On, and I'm like, okay, if it, all right, now it's going to help them followers, you know, sign your boy up. I, yeah. My, my my Instagram has been peaking a little bit. I was at twenty nine thousand for a a long time. Now we 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 turning the corner. I'm at thirty two thousand in this climbing. Uh, my my TikTok is outpaced my Instagram, which is a little weird. But I am out here. I'm out here on these social media platforms, and I'm out here on my podcast every Wednesday. You can check me out. Same bat channel, same bat time, same bat place. If you're listening. I say it every week, man. I appreciate you. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. And I really appreciate that. Hey, check y'all out. I'll check y'all out next week. I'll see you here again. And until then, peace.